Welcome to the Good Growing Podcast. I am Chris Enroth, horticulture educator with University of Illinois Extension, coming at you from Macomb, Illinois. Hot right now, 80 some degrees, um, muggy. And then, you know, as we were talking before the show, it's going to get chilly again. I can't believe it, folks. Um, so uh, and someone else who who informed me of this, uh, you know, just completely disbelief um, uh, as I am here as local foods educator Katie Parker in Adams County. Hey, Katie. Hey, Chris. How's it going? I can't believe it. You uh, So this weekend, 40 degree low. Right. <laughs> I can't win. Just can't win with these tomatoes. I don't think we'll have to cover them up, though. They're on their own now. No, hopefully they've uh, gotten used to our, our nighttime lows and maybe maybe we'll get a surprise. We were supposed to get rain today and we haven't gotten any yet. So uh, the weather is forever changing. You know, it it rained off and on already here in Macomb. And you didn't know, is it because it's just so humid or is it actually raining? Why are you soaking wet? Are you just sweating? You know, you don't know why. So, um, and someone who I know is that feeling because he lived in Florida for a while here is horticulture educator Ken Johnson in Jacksonville. Hey, Ken. Hello, Chris and Katie. It's it's definitely humid. That's why I had to cut the hair and cut the beard. It's, it's getting too hot for all that hair. <laughs> I'm glad you trimmed up your beard there, Ken. You're uh, you're looking like uh, you're ready to, to uh, start riding the bike again, you know, so I know we've, we had to take Ken off the road so he could do his horticulture work here with extension. So, uh, but now we're, we've tamed him, we think. Maybe. Maybe. Well, we are excited to have our special guest with us today. We have horticulture educator Martha Smith with us today. Uh, so Martha, welcome to the show. Well, it's nice, nice to be here. I'm, I'm enjoying it already. Yes, well, I can. I mean, uh, yes, enjoying it already. You've been on here a couple times in this past year, so mm-hmm. talking yeah. about native plants and what do we do? We did landscape design, I think, when we were we were just kicking yeah. off this thing last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been a yeah, it's been a long year. And so, Martha, where are you uh, based? Where what uh, counties do you serve? Uh, I'm up in the Quad Cities, which is in the northwest corner of the state. So I'm. Uh, Henry, Mercer, Rock Island, and Stark counties. So I'm just, gosh, only maybe about 40, 50 miles from the Wisconsin border. Okay. I, I don't think about it like that, but that is, that's wild to to think. I mean, just, yes, I, I realize like we're up kind of that northern parts of the state, but I've never really thought about it like that. 45 miles from the Wisconsin border. Yeah. Wow. And I, I wonder how cold we're going to get if guys down yes. in Balmy part of the state mm-hmm. we'll have to wait and see well, well we'll report back hopefully we've so in the extension office we've gotten a couple random uh, I think frost damage questions just leaves that are maybe curled brown but there's no signs of disease you know so it's pretty much looks like some type of early frost damage back when we we dipped below freezing a couple times yeah, I've had several samples and it looks to me like as the leaves were unfolding and they were still so young and tender where the, they were creased or folded over still, it comes out in a pattern. So I'm tending to think yeah, it could be some anthracnose because we have had yeah. a lot of wet, but um, to some of the samples just look more like a frost damage to me. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I've also seen some anthracnose. Um, one sample from a silver maple came in yesterday. Um, the silver maples on this whole block I drove by, they're all loaded with it and they're dropping leaves right now like crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had a lot of reports this year of very heavy um, seed set on silver maples. Yes. Mm -hmm. You are approaching a milestone in your life. <laughs> yeah. Um, you... You have announced that you will be retiring in the coming month. Mm -hmm. uh, I wish mm -hmm. that was a plural on there, but month. Um, so we want to have a little fun on the show today. We want to talk about some fun things, talk about, um, we want to talk about some gardens, uh, talk about some of your favorite things in the gardens, trees. Um, but let's kick this off. Uh, we had discussed before the show um, some of the things that, that I have always loved, uh, your presentations, and one that I have particularly enjoyed uh, the, recently in the last few years is the presentation East to West and all the gardens in between. Uh, so these are gardens to see. And so you've given, put together a, a program or presentation of like the list of gardens, uh, botanical gardens that if you haven't seen them, you need to go get out there and see them. And you even had a map detailing how people yeah. could drive. That was amazing. Mm -hmm. And the people in these audiences, there were audible gasps and oohs and ahs as some of these things that you were showing. So um, before we dive into this topic of botanical gardens, could, could we define what is a botanical garden? And like, what's the difference between that and say an arboretum? Well, I've been asked this question many times. And for me, the best way to describe it is a botanical garden is more the wow of horticulture. I mean, you're botanic gardens and they want to show you you know, the latest this and the latest that, and they want to put it together in combinations that inspire you and, and give you ideas. So to me, a botanic garden has that plus. Many of them have a research side, but they, they could be displaying annuals, perennials, roses, herbs, trees, you know, the whole gamut of what horticulture is, where an arboretum to me, features more woody plants, trees, shrubs, um, kind of a living collections, if you would, would, would that way. If you've been up to the Morton Arboretum and you're driving through, they have their, you know, um, maple grove and they might have their spruce, you know, area. So it's where they put these trees to, um, together different cultivars so that you can see how they grow side by side. Now, they too could have uh, a botanical side, you know, more of the mm. way their entrance and all. But usually for me, an arboretum is, is more about the, the woody plants. So to you, what makes a good botanical garden? And, and do you have a favorite? You know, there's, <laughs> that's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, boy, you know, you, you could ask me that question at a different time of year, and I probably would have um, a different answer. Um, there's several that I, I find to be on my favorite list. Um, up the Northeast, there's so many wonderful gardens up there. Um, you've got Longwood gardens in Pennsylvania, a short drive away, you have, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank right now, Chanticleer. Mm -hmm. They're really well done 
garden. I don't know if it's if it's classified as a botanical garden or an arboretum, but it's just very well put together. And I, I know recently they've been doing some some renovations and some changings. Uh, one of the things at Chanticleer is they built their own ruins. They have what looks like an old abandoned building, stone building that's half fallen apart and how they've worked the plants around it. And it's it's just wonderful how, how they've done it. Then if you go up the coast a little bit further, um, you have the coastal Maine Botanic Gardens. And this was, oh gosh, probably 10, 12 years ago, um, I was on a tour of gardens in that part of the um, country. And they were just kind of doing a reopening of it. And recently I've seen some other pictures and it's just, it's just beautiful. I mean, not only are you in Maine, but you are on the coast and it's just, it's, it's a beautiful garden. Uh, of course, I've got to say Chicago Botanic Gardens. I have to say Missouri Botanic Gardens. Um, and then there's all the other ones around the United States for Botanic Gardens, uh, Atlanta. So pick a month and I'll have a favorite. Do we have any good botanical gardens here in West Central Illinois? Yes, we do. We do. Um, here in the Quad Cities, we have the Quad City Botanic Gardens, and they are in the process of uh, putting in a, a children's garden. So we have that. If you cross the river and go into um, Davenport, there's another garden over there called Vandevere Botanical Park, which has um, a nice greenhouse and they do nice displays and all that. And they do have uh, some very um, nice plantings on the, on the grounds. If you go a little bit um, further north up into Rockford, you've got Clem uh, Botanical Garden. Mm -hmm. Arboretum, they both classify it, the name together. Um, Des Moines, there's a really nice botanic garden. Uh, and there's one other one. Oh, if you get up into southern Wisconsin, you have Olbrick Botanic Gardens, very nice. And you could also probably, uh, either on your way up or coming back south, could go to Rotary Gardens in Janesville. So not, they're not all classified strictly as botanical gardens or arboretums, but they sure are nice places for people to see the wow of horticulture. I remember as a horticulture student finding inspiration at Chicago Botanic Garden. Um, they had a hillside planted in Russian sage, so a kind of a light purple flower. And intermixed within that, they had, uh, I believe it was a yellow coneflower. So this was right when they started breeding coneflowers, all these different colors, and they came out with the yellow coneflower. Um, mm -hmm. They had intermixed these two together, and it was a complementary color scheme, the yellow and the purple. Mm -hmm. And I've been in love with that yellow purple thing. Maybe that's why I chose Macomb, Illinois, <laughs> to live because their school colors at WIU is that. Um, yeah. But I mean, Botanic Gardens is such a good resource just for people to go for inspiration. I mean, it, it might be on a, a larger scale, but some things can be sized down to home yard gardens. 
Well, and now with the whole thing about forest bathing and getting people out into nature, you know, just to go and walk through a botanic gardens, maybe on a lunch hour or, you know, to have that nearby where you can really go year round. Um, my family used to live in um, St. Louis and my sister worked at the Kemper Center at the uh, Missouri mm -hmm. Botanic Gardens. So she got to see it, you know, year round and just walk the grounds. And I always thought that that would just be a wonderful place to be. I interned at Missouri Botanical Garden and it is it was one of the best experiences of my life. I could not, I could not, um, there's no no way I can speak highly higher of it than I, than I ever could, but I, I will brag about it. Um, so at Missouri Botanical Garden, did you know everything is hand there is no mechanical shearing. There is no engine-based shearing going on there. Everything is hand-pruned. And so I think Missouri Botanical Garden um, uh, brags about that. They'll go up to Chicago and they'll, they'll see the, the head shears up there and they'll say, ha ha, we do everything by hand. You guys are using engines. <laughs> We're so traditional. <laughs> Old-fashioned way. That's right. That's right. You get a Good workout with your hand. You better have a good pair of pruners. Reducing your carbon input. I I guess so. Yeah, you got you move the ladder a lot. <laughs> it takes a while. <laughs> so it, I mean, if I was going to go visit a botanic garden, I could only visit one, Martha. I I really wanted to go see Long Longwood, mm -hmm. but Chanticleer also is calling to me. It's yes. Um, where I mean. If, if I have a limited time budget, where would you say to go? But, well, those that whole area, since they're so close together, um, and then as you get into closer into uh, Philadelphia, there's some other really nice um, garden um, mm -hmm. spots. Also, um, the whole Longwood, if I'm remembering correctly, was DuPont money. And there's Winterthur, which is also very close. And that was the other DuPont. Um, so you would have that home to look at. That's the one that is more into um, uh, the uh, furniture and kind of that time period. And it's just a beautiful home. So, you know, right there, you would have three places all within a fairly short uh, driving condition yeah and, and so i know when you go to these places they're pushing like become a member do this do that and i didn't know this until i i had worked at missouri botanic garden but once you're a member at one botanic garden you're in the group for uh, a whole slate of gardens across uh north america i believe you can get into a lot of different botanic gardens by being a member at maybe one nearby you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, very, very true. And if you go to Europe, they have something similar. Well, very neat. Well, hmm. Should we jump across the pond? Because <laughs> you, you have tour. I mean, you've been all over um, the planet um, looking at gardens. So I don't know if we have if we have the the energy for that. But that's I, I that's my my next destination or goal is to visit some places over in Europe and. Uh, and, and some gardens over there. That sounds amazing. Yeah, Kew Garden is phenomenal. Um, Kuchenhof, which is in um, the bulb capital of the world, it's only mm -hmm. 
right, what is it, eight, nine weeks in the spring. Yeah, there, there's, there's some stunning um, things to see. Uh, we caught a um, flower and garden show when we were in uh, London, and they're, they're even more crazy about some of their horticulture stuff than we are. Uh, so yeah, it's been, it's been a very enjoyable um, having the ability to travel yeah. those things. So hopefully coming up, we'll be heading off again and seeing some more. Was that the Chelsea Garden Show? Um, no, we went to the Hampton Court. Okay. Flower and Garden Show. Um, and it was, it was wonderful. I have not been to Chelsea. Okay. Yeah. I just, I know they, over there, they have these individual or maybe company or some types of displays, artist displays. And it's really, it's pretty innovative. Some of the things that they're doing with plant material. And when we were at the Hampton court, I mean, you would go, and if you wanted to see the rose display, I mean, it was like a, as big as like a circus tent with just roses. And then you would go into the, where they were growing the bulbs and the amount of bulbs and the displays were just phenomenal. And that's, you know, you, you walk away going, oh, wow. You really get the wow yeah. of what, what can be done. You need more horticulturists in this world. That's the yes. only way. Yes, you need more. Anything else to talk about with the botanical gardens? Um, no, just... Do your research, um, you know, go out. Like I said, there's there's some that I've been to in California. There's some, you know, out, you know, in um, Minnesota. I forgot that one. There's an excellent, excellent um, Minnesota landscape arboretum, which is in Chaska, Minnesota. That's a very, very nice uh, botanic gardens to, to go and visit. So, you know, uh, Katie, you asked, what do we have, you know, fairly local? Well, you know, within maybe a two, three state radius, you, could, you can see a lot. I, uh, that does remind me, I was at the Phoenix Botanic Garden uh, many years ago. And I don't, I, it, I've grown up in the Midwest with mm -hmm. trees and shrubs, and this was just like, you know, the, the house of pain, uh, it was just cactus, cactus, cactus. <laughs> and I'm just like, I feel very uncomfortable here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the one in Tucson, I've been to that botanic garden and it's very gray, mm -hmm. out of green gray. Um, but I also have never been there when everything's in bloom, which they say is, you know, when everything pops and you get all of the, you know, their, their pollinators and their critters that visit the plants. Um, so that's something I have not been out there to see. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, the, when in the, the, I think, is it the springtime or maybe it's the winter when it cools down and you suddenly these pops of color just start exploding everywhere. So yeah, usually after they've had their rain season and then boom, everything just comes out. Well, to shift gears here, Martha, um, I, I, I must uh, say visiting your home before in the past um, has created new life goals for myself. Um, I, I, I don't know how, but I will try. Um, but uh, you have actually uh, absolutely stunning yard. Um, what you do with like forms, textures, 
colors of this different plant material. I mean, I, it, it is beautiful. It's amazing. Um, but there's one thing I noticed throughout your entire yard uh, is a certain species of tree, the beech tree. Yep. I don't see this tree anywhere else practically. Why is it all over your yard? Because um, we're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh, my husband and I um, fell in love with beech trees when we were um, on the East Coast and just, just loved the the majestic look of them, the, the interesting bark in the winter, the different colors. So when we moved back to Illinois, um, there was a dying plump birch in our front yard and I knew it had bore, I knew exactly what it was. So we cut that down and that's when we first, we put in our first beach, which was the fern leaf beach, mm -hmm. is um, Pegas sylvatica asclenifolia. And that was in 1995. And that tree now is, is stunning. And it's, and it's only in its early juvenile years because they can get huge. Um, and from there, we got into some different uh, plant organizations, started to really get into um, oddball plants, smaller scale plants, ones with very unusual foliage or a shape. So I was actually counting, I think I have 12 different types of beach in the yard. Um, there's, well, the European beach and the American beach. The European beach seems to have more cultivars available in the trade. So they've done a lot more breeding uh, with the European beach. So the fern leaf, it's a, it, people stop and ask what it is. Um, we have it lit up at night. It's just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful um, tree. The other one that we added shortly thereafter, we were on a garden tour and we saw it, was a purple contorted beech. Now, the contorted um, is tortuosa. And a lot of people think that it's weeping beech, but it's not. And... I found this, I had to get it through mail order someplace from the Northwest. And with that tree, as it grows, it has very horizontal branches that kind of gnarl out. What we did was we trained the center to a point that we wanted it to start forming on its own. So we trained the center up to about 15, maybe 18 feet. And now we're just letting it go. And it is, it is beautiful. It is just a gorgeous, gorgeous tree. It's just that it's very hard to take a picture of because the foliage is so dark. And in the winter, when you can see the, 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 the branch structure, it's just so hard to photograph. So if I can get the right timing where we just have a little dusting of snow and I can go out and get that picture, then you can kind of see the outline of where those branches are. Some other ones, one that we have, and we just got this one a couple of years ago, um, is um, Ansorgii. And this, if you looked at it, would not think it's a beach. Ansorgii has very thin, strap-like purple leaves. So it's very, very um, different than any of the um, other ones that we have. In fact, um, 
I think it's a little bit more sensitive to heat and hot sun because the leaves are a bit finer. So I have it facing west, but it gets afternoon shade. Uh, so that one, uh, and then we just found in our travels um, a new uh, one we hadn't seen. It's a miniature fern leaf beach. And the name is escaping me right now, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to get you a picture. Uh, and that is, it's, it's just cute. <laughs> That's all I can say. It's just a cute little tree. So whoever ends up with our home is either going to love us or hate us. Because we also have a European beet hedge where we prune it back. I think we have 16 beaches that we prune back. And these are beaches that want to grow. They want to be tall trees. And when you look in there into the, where the trunks are, some of them are now getting quite large. So they're either gonna love us or hate us. So everybody has been warned. We're looking at Martha's house. I'll still buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I do try to keep everything labeled because some of these things, you get into some of these oddball plants and it's like, oh boy. So I really do, that's why I can't remember this miniature fern leaf because we just bought it and it's not registering yet, so. So I've got a couple of questions for you here. Mm -hmm. This may be asked, like asking somebody who, what their favorite child is, but what's your favorite favorite one of the different varieties you have? Of uh, beach? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, the fern leaf, number one. The fern leaf by far, it's just the overall shape. Um, we've actually purchased some and donated them to our town because we want to see them. Uh, so we're trying to get away from uh, our town's motto is Maple City. Well, I'm trying to get away from being known as Maple City. So I'm constantly uh, working with the, the city, the park district, trying to bring in different trees, you know, different ones. So we've been slowly introducing more um, beach. The fern leaf was one, as I said, also the contorted beach, because uh, it's just it's not common at all and it's just phenomenal when it comes out and it has the deep deep purple black leaves purple black it's just just gorgeous um that little ansorgii it's just odd <laughs> that's why I, that's why um i like it but we've got um an upright dowick sometimes it's called red obelisk which is your upright narrow um, I'm trying to think what else we have. We've got a couple other uh, miniatures uh, and then uh, our uh, new house is built across the street and we don't have a purple beach. So my husband decided he wanted to see a purple beach. So we gave our neighbors a purple beach so we could see it. So I don't know who's the plant nerd anymore, me, <laughs> me or him. So then for, for people who may not know what a beach looks like, um, how would you go about IDing a beach or what would you kind of look for? Uh, you know, on a beach, um, the buds, the winter buds are very distinctive. They're long, um, somewhat slender, kind of a reddish brown, um, but the bark, 
the bark, uh, sometimes it, people call it uh, like an elephant's trunk. It's very smooth, very gray. Uh, so those would be the two things right there. And once you see the beech leaf on a normal tree, yeah, you could you can you can do a drive-by pretty quick on a on a beech tree for its shape and the bark. Are beeches fairly easy to um, to have in your in your lawn? You know, we've had uh, you know we've had some success and failures over the years, but that's just the nature of being a, a plant collector. Um, but no, we've been very fortunate. And uh, they take fairly, fairly well. Uh, we just have to be um, more concerned with what the eventual size is going to be, because some of these can can get quite, quite large. Um, but no, it's um, they're fairly, fairly easy. Uh, we haven't had any. I'm trying to think. If we've had any major issues? No, I can't. I can't. I can't think of it. Oh, I mean, wind damage, but um, the beech tree, the branches are, um, they're not like a, well, they're in the oak family. They're all in the Fagaceae family, but on a beech tree, they're more, what do I want, supple. So they tend to bend and flow with the wind. So <clears throat> after a storm, we might have a lot of little branchlet um, litter down on the uh, ground. Uh, but we did have one storm that came through um, and we did lose a, a limb, but it, it healed right over. What about beech leaf disease? Is that something that we have to be concerned with in Illinois? You know, um, I have not personally seen it and I have not personally had any reports. Um, from my understanding, it's um, a disease that's uh, spread through nematodes, which are microscopic worms. So when an insect feeds on a diseased tree, then goes to a healthy tree, that's how it progresses. Um, the other thing, it will kill the tree. It will kill a mature beech tree in six to 10 years, so they report. And a lot of saplings and seedlings uh, succumb very, very quickly to it. Uh, what you see, uh, pictures that I've seen, because again, I have not personally seen it, it's usually shows up in the leaves first and the leaves tend to have um, some discoloration, uh, not, unif not like the whole leaf, but usually between the veins. Um, the leaves also might get thick and brittle and eventually that they fall off. So I personally, when I was looking that up, um, didn't find any reports in this area. It doesn't mean it's not here. Uh, and it is up in Wisconsin and um, Minnesota up in the Northern climes. And again, hopefully people can be educated and not move beech wood, not move beech trees, because unknowingly, just like with emerald ash borer, they're bringing that disease into their backyard, and the chances are very great that it's going to pass it along. 
there's also a beach bark disease. Uh, so you've got beech leaf disease, you've got beech bark disease. And the bark disease is, um, what was that? It, it was a, I wanna say an aphid, or maybe it was a scale and a fungal canker. So, I mean, there are, there are some things that are out there, but hopefully they won't hit my yard until I'm gone. <laughs> when Chris has it and he has to start taking care of them. Need to quarantine that yard, Martha. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Put a big protection zone around it. Yes, yes. So, yeah. Get that bubble going. That's what it feels like these days. Yeah. Um, so here's a here's a question from someone I know well, and I think you all know as well. Um, let's just say it's uh, me. <laughs> so in my front yard, which is west facing, there are there's a in a line pin oak, white ash driveway, white ash, Norway maple, mm -hmm. sweet gum, white pine, mm -hmm. all large, all mature trees. There's a green ash also in there that's dying. It's, it's, it's on its way out. EAB got it to it before I could. Um, and I don't like Norway maple. <laughs> I'm just not a fan. But what do you think, Martha? Is it, can you cut down a tree, a mature tree, just because you don't like it and you want to plant, say, a beech? <laughs> In its sure. Place. Okay. Sure can. Okay, I'll give you my wife's phone number. We can talk <laughs> about this. We can talk it through. <laughs> it's an opportunity. I, you know, if there's something there that's just not what you like, or like you said with the ash that you know is just going to go downhill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Norway maples, you know, they've they've had their time. They're they're uh, known for that crimson color all, all year round. But as you know, uh, we've had a lot of reports over the years about their receding and starting to, to spread. Uh, and they're, they're a slow growing tree. So, you know, if you wanted something with any, you know, big size to it, yeah, I would say you could you'd have my permission. Yes. So I, I was burying a do underground dog fence this last weekend up over in the back part of the yard where the woods are. And I look up and I come face to face with a Norway maple seedling. I hadn't seen that before. And then I look, I see another one and another one and another one. I'm thinking, huh. I mean, it's, I mean, it just... Once I saw it, I then saw it everywhere. And so I'm mm -hmm. thinking, yeah. you know what? I'm, I'm doing, this is a service. Uh, I, I will say that. <laughs> I will be doing a service for the woods behind my house. And um, mm -hmm. I, I would love to plant, um, you know, I would love to have a beech tree in my yard. The the trunk, absolutely stunning. I love just the, the texture of that. Mm -hmm. But I have space for another tree on that west facing part of the yard. What else? could I try besides a, a, a beach? Yeah, besides a beach, okay. Yes. Um, well, one of my favorite trees <clears throat> besides beach um, is your Nyssa, your black tupelo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The native tree, um, just we have one in our yard. Phenomenal fall color. Not a lot of pests, not a lot of problems. It, it forms a very nice uniform somewhat pyramidal crown um, and it's it 
it's gorgeous in the fall. I mean, the colors just, if, if when you get it just right, the inside is kind of a gold, the outside is a red orange, and it just looks like it's glowing from, from within. Uh, they are a bit temperamental to get started. Um, so I always suggest find, I wouldn't go out and try to find the biggest one you can find, find, you know, something on the smaller size because they, they do send down um, a tap root. Uh, but that's that's an excellent tree. Um, any of the um, um, pines, the hornbeams, uh, there is the European and there is the American. And they also, sometimes they're called muscle wood. They also have um, a bark similar to a beech. Uh, but again, very few diseases, very few problems. Um, I think Michael Durr in, in the tree guru book um, highly, highly um, praises your, your carpinus or the hornbeams. The other one that we just found and I've never grown this before and maybe some of you all have is Katsura tree or Cercidophyllum. Uh, this one, it's again, um, not a lot of uh, issues or problems with it. Uh, relatively good grower. The one that we just got is a clump, so it has multiple trunks. And again, its fall color is um, phenomenal. You're getting into the golds and the oranges. And that's really when I'm looking for a tree, I want more than one attribute. You know, yes, it's going to be a nice shade tree, that's an attribute. But what else, you know, is there some type of decorate, decorative part in the spring or the fall or what about bark for winter interest during the, during the rest of the season? So those right there, um, all good. I, I hesitate with um, oaks because of oak wilt and at least up here in the Quad Cities, we've, we've had quite um, a problem with it. I mean, there are some phenomenal oaks uh, that would really fill in very nicely. It's just you're kind of playing um, Russian roulette in certain parts of the state where we know we have the, the fungus and um, the issue. So earlier this week, Chris, Katie, and as we're getting ready for this, we we're talking about our favorite trees and Katie's is ginkgo and you have some of those in your yard so what's your favorite variety of ginkgo that's out there well I was thinking about that too as I already said we have 12 different types of beach I figure we're at seven different types of ginkgos and there is one called green canopy or sometimes it's listed as just canopy and we bought this again 20 some years ago at a nursery in Michigan and it, it, it's forming this just wonderful bowl. It's just got the most unique shape to it. Um, that one we, we both really, really like. Again, fall color is great. You're not having a lot of pests and problems. Um, when we purchased it, it was a male, but after about <clears throat> 20 some years, <laughs> one of the branches decided no. I'm going to be a girl. So we started to get uh, fruit 
And now I'm noticing we're getting some, some seedlings. And so I talked to some uh, people much more well-versed in ginkgo than I, and they said that sometimes uh, trees will do that. They'll, they'll just change a branch or whatever. Um, and so, so that's what happened. That's what happened on that one. Um, we have a fishtail ginkgo where the leaves are a little pendulous and they look like the, the tails of a fish. We have um, uh, the dwarf that's out in the trade. I believe it's called American. Uh, we've got one called Troll. And there's another one we just got, and it's supposed to have very, very small leaves. And again, it's so new, I, I can't think of the name of it. Uh, but yeah, we, we kind of like <laughs> ginkgos and we like Japanese maples and, you know, some of those more obscure things. So going back to the, those trees sending out female branches, can you prune that out? Or will it keep sending that out if you don't want the seeds and stuff? You know, I I, I don't know. I didn't ask that when I was at this, this tree um, conference. Uh, it's worth a try. I mean, it's, it's worth a try. I mean, people don't want the female trees because the fruit. And it's very um, odiferous, should I say. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, overseas, it's a delicacy. Overseas, they, they harvest the ginkgo fruit. And when we were living over uh, in, lived in South Korea, they would put out tarps on the roads and just let them dry because they wanted to get down to the little nut inside. And oh boy, you knew when that was because it was smelly. They're good for practical jokes too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I can see that. Put a bag in the back of someone's car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to keep my doors locked around you guys. Hide them in their backpack. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, so I, I was at a also a retired colleague, Dave, Dave Robson's house, who has a also fabulous Japanese maple collection in his yard. He had the same thing. So his neighbor had a ginkgo tree, all male, except the one branch that went over his driveway was female. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's he funny. Just, yeah. couldn't never, believe it <laughs> yeah yeah all the luck you couldn't mm -hmm. get away but yeah. <laughs> yeah i've been in david's garden also he's got quite a collection a lot of hostas he's got a lot of shade but he has a lot of really mm -hmm. texture and colors in his garden and, and to give people a scale of your yard i know the way you talk i some people might be thinking in their brain, oh, she must have acreage. You know, there must be blocks and blocks of trees. How large are we talking about? It's under an acre. I think it's like 0.8. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's only one plant that is original from the previous owners. Everything else went, came out. Um, and what I personally liked about this piece of property was it was a, a clean slate for me. Uh, the, what was there was easy to remove. As I said, the birch trees already had um, bores. Uh, we did have a large spruce that wasn't pruned properly and it had uh, included bark. And after a windstorm, it split. That was quite a large tree. So we had that taken out. So yeah, everything, everything in that garden, I can honestly say 
has been touched by us. Mm -hmm. Put it in. Yeah. And you're not allowed to say what plant it is that is original because that's your question. Every time someone shows up to your yard, you say, you must find the original plant, the only thing remaining. So the one plant that has a test. Yeah. Did yeah. you find it, Chris? I don't think so. <laughs> I think I, think I was, let you know, <laughs> no, well, I was, um, it was in a tour group. And so I think um, as we were walking around with the group, someone else had found it. And I just so happened into the conversation. <laughs> and took credit. Uh, of course. I said, oh, I knew that. I knew that all along. Well, Martha, I mean, that was a lot of fun talking about that. But we have a couple questions we would like to ask you. Um, retirement questions um, to, to, you know, grant upon us your knowledge some tips, advice. Uh, so Katie, would you mind kicking off with, with your question? Oh, my, my wisdom. Yes. yes. We need mm -hmm. it all. Uh, so what was probably your favorite part of the job? Boy, um, I've always, always enjoyed teaching. I've always enjoyed the process of writing a new program and, you know, being able to present it and kind of seeing that aha moment where people are like, oh, I didn't think of that, or oh, okay. Or when you're talking with someone who is so new that, you know, it's just, it's just amazing how much, how much they, you know, want to absorb. You know, with, with any job, Katie, it's, there's always the downsides, you know, there's the paperwork and there's all that stuff. Uh, which, which has to be done, but I have to say what I've enjoyed the most, um, teaching and through extension over the years, the opportunities to go to conferences, to see other parts of the country uh, that maybe I wouldn't have, have necessarily seen in that much detail, you know, belonging to several professional organizations um, being fortunate to be on the board of a couple of them. So I was able to travel maybe a bit more. Um, but you always come back with something new. You always, you always learn. You always learn. So teaching and just being able to, you know, network, get to, get to know some great plant people around the country. And it, it may be along that, that same vein. There are some ridiculous moments that can happen in this job. I mean, some of the phone calls, if yes. only we could, I mean, we could write a book. Each one of us could have our own volume <laughs> in this, in the series here. But do you have a moment that stands out that's just like funny, um, just unbelievable, best, you know, is there a, a moment that stands out in your memory uh, as, as with extension? Oh, so many. Um <laughs> How can you choose? <laughs> I've always liked the um, snakes in a bag. Here, identify this. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> the, um, be before when we had film canisters, you know, they would drop their sample off in a film canister and you never really knew what was going to come popping out at you. Mm -hmm. um, and then years and years ago, there was one, this is when I first started it was in um, January and it was this kind of a sad story. Their family dog had passed away and they wanted to know how they could put it in their garden. 
Um, so I'm like, you just bury it. Well, it was January and they didn't know what to do with this pet. So it just, it, it and toward the end of the conversation, we were just having a good time, but I, I don't know why I just still remember. And they sent it to me because it was going in the garden. Yeah. <laughs> they really didn't know who else to send it to. And I had only been with Illinois at the time, maybe two weeks. So like, oh, give it to the new kid. <laughs> no but in the long run, they, they did have success with it. We, we, we did have a very nice conversation, but that, that sticks out in my mind. I don't know why. All right. One last one. Greatest resource or resources for an educator or as an educator. Boy, um, other horticulturists. I, you know, as I said before, we, we can't know everything. Um, you know, University of Illinois Extension, we have a fantastic statewide team across, you know, across the whole state. And we all have our levels of what we consider our expertise. So I'm not going to stress myself out and try to answer something that I know I can call Ken and he'll 90% of the chance know it. Um, Chris with turf questions. And in return, I people contact me for trees and for herbaceous ornamentals. So I've always found um, the coworkers that, that I've worked with. I've always found, as I said earlier, I've made some phenomenal gardening friends across the country. And, you know, just being able to pick up a phone and talk to one of them and say, hey, what about this? Or what about that? Or, you know, if I need a keynote speaker, you know, oh, yes, yes, happy, you know. So it's a lot of the um, networks that you build and, and the friendships. And that's what they say, you know, when you retire, you know, you, you don't necessarily miss the job, you miss the people. So I, I would have to say other horticulturists and just gardeners. They're, you know, when, you, when you get in with a good group of gardeners, it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, Martha, that is, I think, the perfect way to cap off this conversation. <laughs> it was wonderful chatting with you. Um, we best wishes on retirement. We're going to miss you which means we're going to come visit. Yes, so. well, you can't, be, you can't get rid of me because uh, <laughs> I believe I live in one of your counties. <laughs> Wendy has the volunteer paperwork ready already. already. So uh, we will yeah. be, uh, that's probably they, gonna be in the mail tonight. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they don't want me up here. I, I can't do that. So uh, I'll have to find someplace else. <laughs> well, Martha, thank you so much for being on the show today. We do appreciate uh, you taking the, the time out of your weeks here. And so thank you very much. Thank you. Well, the Good Growing Podcast is produced by Wendy Ferguson and edited by me, Chris Enroth. A special thanks to our co-host with us every single week, Ken Johnson, Katie Parker. Thank you so much for being here as well. Yeah. Thank you, Martha and Chris and Ken. It's always a pleasure to see you guys. Yes. Thank you, Martha. Congrats on your upcoming retirement. Yeah. Chris and Katie, let's do this again next week. Oh, we, we shall be doing this again next week. We're going to be talking with Sarah Johnson, who is a field botanist with the Illinois Natural History Survey. And so that should be a very interesting conversation, seeing what's going on out in the wide world around us. Uh, so listeners, thank you for doing what you do best, and that is listening, or if you're watching us on YouTube, watching. And as always, keep on growing.